Welcome to Technado. Welcome to another thrilling episode of Technado. We will laugh, we will cry, we will learn things. I'm your host, Sophie. Uh, I'm, I don't really have much else to say other than that I'm your host, Sophie, and I'm ready to have a great time. And I'm here, of course, with Daniel Lowry and Mr. Don Pizzette. How y'all doing today? Hey, I am doing really well. I think so. You're 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 happy and excited, so you're going to take yes. the laughing. I'm going to take the crying part, and then we'll have to. <laughs> I'm going to learn Daniel. something. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. You have to learn something. I wonder okay. what that'll be. But well, that's uh, going to be a struggle for me. <laughs> <laughs> so we do have a lot of uh, really good articles this week to cover the the breadth of tech news, which is always a good time. Um, I don't know about crying. No, I, I think we've got some stuff that would qualify for crying. So we'll we'll see. <laughs> mm. I was just saying things to say things, and he's analyzing it. So I'm glad you're here to do that. Well, that's what we do here at Technado. We like yeah. to analyze everything we can at, at all possible. I'm analyzing the fire in my mouth. My wife bought me uh, some beef sticks as snacks for, you know, when I'm getting a little hungry, a little peckish, and I grabbed one. I didn't realize it's, it, well, I did. I, saw, I said hot, and I thought, okay, you know, I, I have a pretty high tolerance for heat things when it comes to food. It was. Blanking hot. <laughs> it was like ghost pepper stick. This could have been the crying part. <laughs> right. We could have. What's that? Uh, yeah. the, the interview show where they eat the hot, oh, ones. hot ones. Hot ones. Yeah. yeah. We we could do that. Yeah. On yeah. It, it was. It was sticks. damned spicy. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> well, I'm glad you survived. I did, and, and that you're here with us. That's great. Uh, we have, like you said, we got we got some interesting stuff that happened this week in tech. So we're gonna jump right in. Uh, this first one comes to us from Tom's Hardware. Asus, as I learned that it's pronounced, uh, Asus ROG X670EI has a chipset on a PCIe stick, which is a pretty long title. Um, but <laughs> I'm sure you guys will break it down. Uh, basically, the the motherboard, I guess, for this uh, for AMD Ryzen 7000 series processors places the second chipset chip on an add-on PCIe card. So, with all of that said, why do I care? <laughs> All right, so uh, you will hear from time to time about how technology goes full circle, right? And there, there's nowhere better to see that than the old, like we had mainframes where you had a central computer that was really beefy and then you had all these dummy terminals that were just clients, right? And then we switched to distributed computing where everybody had their own computer with their own general purpose CPU and so on. And now, thanks to the cloud and web-based services, we're going back to that model where everything is done in a central data center and our computers are just web browsers, right? We've gone full circle. Well, we're starting to see that with motherboards in a pretty bizarre way. And I, I don't know how it was for you guys when, when you got started and got your first computer, but uh, when I started, your, your motherboard usually had like ISA slots and uh, your motherboard did not have a hard drive, hard, a hard drive controller or a graphics controller on the motherboard. You had to have cards for that. Uh, so if you wanted PCI, not PCI, if you wanted IDE hard drives, you had to get an IDE hard drive controller. Or if you wanted SCSI hard drives, you had to get a SCSI hard drive controller. Are the slots get. still color coded like they used to be? Like the ISA was black and then the PCI was brown or PCI was brown. Yeah, right? yeah. I have no idea how they picked these colors. Right? Couldn't yeah. go with blue and red or yeah. something. It's going to be brown. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, uh, so anyhow, over the years, motherboards have become a lot more dense thanks to micro components. And so now almost every motherboard has a graphics controller, has hard drive or storage controllers that are on it, USB controllers, all sorts of stuff built into the chips set on the motherboard. Well, Asus is bringing us full circle and reintroducing the idea of a chipset on a card. And what's driving this, because when I first looked at it, I said, well, that's dumb. Why would I do that? Um, and 
Let me give you <laughs> that's dumb. Let me give you the reasoning so, why I think it's dumb. <laughs> Sophia's question of why should I care? You're really not going for that. You, I'm reinforcing. You, you shouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> so my, my first thought was all right, the chipset on the motherboard is awesome because it's got direct lanes into the processor and RAM and all that other stuff. Once you stick it on a card, now it's limited to the bandwidth of that one PCIe slot, right? So yep. you've, you've limited the bandwidth. But I don't know if you've noticed this, but like on desktop computers, you don't normally see a lot of USB-C ports. That's true. Right? You get a laptop, you might have four USB-C ports, but on a desktop, you're lucky to get one. And it's usually because of bus bandwidth constraints. And so the idea here is not to stick your hard drives and all sorts of other things on this chipset. But if you want additional USB ports, if you want additional uh, peripherals of some sort, that this card can kind of support it. So it is just interesting to see technology go full circle. And now we're back to controllers on a uh, an added board. Yeah, that's uh, it is kind of funny how all things old are new again, right? Uh, and I, I remember when... Um, these like little dummy terminals started coming out. It was probably like what nine, ten years ago now, where it was like, hey, instead of because the idea was we can put these dumb terminals on the desk, they get a virtual desktop, right? And that way, when the user will screw this up, we just tell them reboot, right? And now, not only does the reboot usually fix weird things, problems with your computer, but now it's actually fixing everything because you're getting a brand new desktop environment. Mm-hmm. It just reaches out. So it was like, oh, this is interesting. Isn't this just like we used to do? Well, okay, I guess that was still a good idea. What made us go away from, like, why did we start doing distributed computing? Why did we get away from that mainframe thing? So part of it was the internet, right, mm-hmm. that you could push off processing power on your clients, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was a part of it. The other part was that people started writing uh, – what they wanted to do is they wanted to write custom software and writing custom software on a mainframe was really difficult. Yeah. Pushing graphics, right? The, yeah. the mainframe stuff was all text. So we wanted to have that, that more immersive experience Yes, and having our own computing power made that happen. Yep. And so that's when distributed computing started to grow and yeah. you ended up in the client server model where we're in now, where right. you might be running a Mac or windows or whatever with a full GUI that's running locally, even though you're rendering stuff that's coming from a server remote. Uh, hmm. yeah. It's fun. It sounds fun. I mean, this was a highly technical article, so if you're really interested in the specifications behind all this stuff, this uh, article yeah. has it. There are a lot of specifications. In spades. Definitely. I, when I first was reading through this, um, I did poke my head over my desk, and I was just like, hey, I'm, I'm getting caught up on the on the acronyms and everything of it, and so it's it's nice to have Daniel right there to kind of be like, all right, I'll translate it into layman's terms for you. Because I give her wrong information on purpose. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, say exactly this. Don't deviate from that. We won't yeah. laugh at you. I promise. And you know, Daniel, you mentioned uh, I was a couple episodes ago that like uh, you used to build your own computers, but you really don't anymore. Oh no, no, no. And uh, ain't nobody got no time for that. And I, I still do. <laughs> yeah, I'm actually almost due for an upgrade at home. Oh yeah. So, uh, so I've been kind of paying attention to components and stuff that are out there. And okay. Most things haven't changed much, right? So you're just like, uh, if I bought version two before i'll buy version four now and that's that there but uh but there are a few advancements that are on the horizons where hardware is is really making some leaps well i'll, I'll be interested in seeing i mean it is interesting stuff to kind of like to see how it continues to evolve and grow and speeds continue to move up and you know it used to be really exciting back in the day when you first get started because it's something you can really get your hands on right it's something that anybody can there, there's no uh, the, the ticket price to entry is how much money you have in your wallet and what can you buy yeah, and you know PC components, while can be 
bit expensive, not that big of an investment. And you get to do something, you have experience with it. That's what I liked about it. And I think that's what draws a lot of people into it initially in the hardware. But then, like you say, it's kind of a, you know, if you're into things that have a lot of modularity, it can be a real like, yay, because I can now like, oh, these specs are just a little bit different. These specs. And now which one do I make a decision yeah. on? That, that kind of thing can absolutely grab my attention. So if you've ever built a computer? Uh, I know people that have. Does that count? My, my brother, <laughs> my older us? brother's into that. He um he has sent me pictures before, like I just built my new computer, and I'm like, holy cow! It's like he does all the fancy stuff and everything. Mm. I've never built one myself, but I have been witness to it. So well, we got to remedy that. Maybe we should yeah? incorporate that yeah. into the podcast. Yeah, we, we should do an episode, <laughs> and we'll call it Sophie's Build. Sophie's <laughs> Choice. Come out looking like crap. Yeah. 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 Or uh, you know, because I. I I need to upgrade mine at home. Yeah. So I could come up the components. with specs. Yeah. And then make her put it together and she breaks anything, I can make sure she never hears the end of it. That's Just exactly take it right. out of my picture. Yeah. 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 I like but this idea. You will either gain viewers or you will lose a lot yeah. of viewers. So <laughs> play, play roulette with your podcast there. Uh, so, again, like you said, a lot of specs in that article. So if you do want some more of that, I'm not going to read it again. So you can go to Tom's Hardware and check that out. But uh, switching gears a little bit, we've got another article here from The Register. Microsoft switches edges pdf reader to pay to play adobe acrobat i thought maybe i'm wrong to me it seemed the headline seemed a little bit misleading because i went through and read it and it says that there are a lot of functions like the read aloud narration and stuff that'll be free for windows 10 and 11 users but there's other advanced features and those are the ones that come at a cost right you know this one i'm i'm kind of torn on this one uh, i have a, a love-hate relationship with adobe which i think everyone Most people does. do yeah. yeah i don't think anybody's super excited about adobe all the time um their their Acrobat software over the years has had so many just outrageous security flaws that it's uh, it, it's difficult to have a, a positive opinion of them. And mm. back when they had Flash, what was originally Macromedia Flash and then Adobe Flash, that was even worse, right? Just tons of gaping security holes in it left and right. Um, so most of us kind of got a bad taste in our mouth. And here, I'll share a true story with you. I, I used to live in Seattle and I lived like, one block away from Adobe's headquarters in Seattle. I mean, their actual headquarters is in um, California, but uh, they had a, a building there in Seattle. And so when we take the dog out for a walk, we always made sure to walk by Adobe's. And throw the <laughs> double birds up at it. <laughs> Spit at the, at the front door. In a nice grassy area. It was perfect <laughs> for the dog. Yeah. Uh, anyhow, so... so uh, uh, but I will say that I've gotten really frustrated with PDF functionality in browsers. Hmm. So Chrome has its own PDF reader. Edge has its own PDF reader, which is different. Uh, Apple has their own PDF reader, and they're not all created equal. There's there's features that aren't there, and, and it's, it's frustrating. And so I've gotten to where I disable the PDF reader in the browser, and I actually do use Adobe Acrobat. I, I use like Foxit for a while, but that company is a little strange, and yeah. so um, started using actually Adobe Acrobat Reader. So to have it incorporated in the browser, to me, that's like, well, all right, I'm, I'm already using it outside. Now it's inside. I'm, I'm okay with that. But if you're one of those people who is staunchly against using Adobe software, this is a frustration point because you have to figure out how to disable it. Yeah, it's really easy. You install Firefox and you're good to go. And they have their own PDF reader? <laughs> yeah, I believe so. And like It, it, it reads PDFs. I, I'm assuming it is their build. I'm yeah. not using Acrobat um, at this point. But. Do you, is, is Firefox your daily driver? Uh, it is. So Can we check because <laughs> you were using Brave for a while. So uh, yeah, I'm using Brave right now. 
but I do have Firefox. You do use Firefox a lot in like shows. I use Firefox for the most part for just like um, if I'm doing hacky stuff. Okay. Right? So I use oh, it a lot. because like Grease Monkey scripts and things like that? Yeah, or, or like uh, just all the plugin stuff that you can do for it and the way that it, it works. It's to me is so much easier to like work with as far as their developer tools. And yeah, there's a lot of um, add-ons that you can throw on this thing. Not that Chrome doesn't have that either, but Chrome has historically had a bunch of, uh, what's the word? It uses a lot of resources. It certainly does. Right? It's a memory hog. Yeah, it's a super memory (laughs) hog. And I've been using Firefox since like, what, 2005, six, somewhere in there. So it's just been my daily driver. And then when I got into the security world, I realized that most people in security for doing hacking stuff use Firefox. Like when you when you download Kali and install it, it does not come with a Chromium browser. It comes with Firefox. Mm-hmm. And they use Firefox. That is true. And probably because it has a bunch of that stuff, that, that legacy of like Grease Monkey and whatnot, and being used by hackers and stuff mm. that has continued that legacy. And that's kind of like their thing. Um but yeah, so I've I know it's got all my bookmarks and everything, and I yeah I can export it. So I use Brave for like browsing stuff, searching, doing Google searching stuff. I don't use Google all the time, but I do sometimes. Um, I, I like the privacy that it involves in that. But uh, yeah, I use both. Well, I know I I use Edge pretty religiously at this point. Yeah. I, I don't use many other browsers because um, I, I just like when I have an open tab on one system, I can access it on another, and, mm-hmm. and some of that's really convenient. But Right now, I just have the six articles from this episode open and it's idling, and Edge is consuming 1.3 gigs of RAM, which seems a little excessive. Yeah, it does. When you know you look at browsers of old, and, and it's even eating a little GPU and CPU just sitting here idle, which is interesting. Um, but yeah, so you know, on the Adobe side, I don't know, like Daniel, from your security perspective, is Adobe Acrobat Reader? Like, do you view that as a plague or are you comfortable (laughs) with Acrobat Reader? So, you know, it's been so, it has historically had a bunch of security issues, right? Uh, I mean, are we seeing that now? That makes me want to do something like do a little test here. Let's go to exploit DB. Exploits dash DB. Oh boy, I love when we do that. I know he's going to hose up his laptop on the show. Yeah. um, Let's get in here and let's just look up Adobe. D D O B E, bam. And let's see here. Twenty two the last exploit for Adobe anything was last year. This really? time last year. That that they have reported. Right? Yeah, because it usually goes in alpha well, date order. Let me make sure it's like date order descending. Yeah. Two twenty three twenty twenty two. Was the last something that I would like, not have it, guessed that. Like, I, so LDAP Java object deserialization remote code execution RCE for Adobe Cold Fusion 11. Uh, here's one for Cold Fusion 8, Adobe Connect 10, Adobe Reader DC was 2019. All right. So, not that they don't have like CVEs and stuff that are involved, but if there's like a proof of concept that's out there in the wild, that will most likely be on ExploitDB or Volners or another one of those sites that. Okay. If I, if I needed to actually exploit this, how would I do it? I would look this up and see, hey, do you have software? Is there is there a script I can run? Is there a proof of concept code that I can mangle and make use to what I'm going to do? And the last one they got on ExploitDB was uh, of last year. All right. So 
just for Adobe Acrobat Reader, yeah. uh, I went on Miter, yeah. and there are 17 CVEs in like, January and February of this year. This year, So right. in, oh. in six weeks. But is is, is there any kind of like... Um, proof of concept code that would require me doing <laughs> right. research and like it's it's one thing to have a cve it's one thing it's another thing for it to actually be exploitable no no no, no. <laughs> See, we, we, we count as media right yeah. so i don't think we have to do that level of research right? i think we yeah. can we can blow this up right here like if like, you're running adobe, adobe acrobat right now totally your life is in danger that's right like <laughs> <laughs> Your family you need to find a safe space immediately. <laughs> <laughs> Sophie, you running an Acrobat over there? You sound like a real journalist right now. This is great. By the way, I looked up uh, Firefox has a built-in PDF viewer. That's what it says. Oh. Built-in, uh, even better, Firefox P- PDF viewer comes enabled by default, blah, blah, blah. It doesn't say that it's using um, you know, Adobe I, Acrobat. I don't know much about the uh, the Acrobat engine type stuff. Like, yeah. Like with web rendering, you've got WebKit and um, uh, what are all the names, right, that they've got for the, the actual rendering engine behind the scenes? Um, I, I forgot yeah, well, Google Chromes. But uh, Firefox has its own. I think it's called Gecko, right? Oh, Is I, there, I don't know off the top of my head. Yeah, you ever look at like browser? Yeah, and it's got the Gecko. Engine. Yeah, yeah. So, so Gecko is their HTML renderer. Gotcha. And WebKit is the one that Apple, Apple uses. Yeah. And then Google forked WebKit and made, I think it's called Blink. So yeah, Blink, Gecko, and WebKit. And so if if you run a browser, the browser itself really doesn't matter. That's just bookmarks and sync and the buttons right. you see on the screen. But the HTML renderer in the back end is what really matters. And that's what's so different between each one and why web pages render different. Yeah. So I wonder on the Adobe side, is it is it the same thing? Like, does Firefox have its own rendering engine? Gotcha. Edge has its own rendering engine. And so now, and now they're just plugging in Adobe. If Microsoft is just plugging in Adobe, then they would have the most accurate rendering rendering engine, hmm. you'd think. Interesting. Oh. We'll have to learn more. Yeah. Here's the thing, man. It doesn't matter what software is that. You can look up any software, they're going to have a CVE. (laughs) And probably something relatively recent, if they are an updated software, like something that is maintained. (laughs) Right? That's a good qualifier to add. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, if it stopped being maintained six years ago. Windows 3.1 hasn't had a CVE this year. Zero CVEs. (laughs) It's a secure operating system. (laughs) Well, nobody's perfect, so that that does not surprise me. So how did this become a security thing? I, <laughs> I we, don't know. Why well, don't we do security here. later? So, we, we did jump into it. <laughs> it, did, it did say in there. It talked a little bit about like some advanced security stuff that it's, yeah. that it's also going to include. Um, the subtitle of it said, "Yeah, sure, totally secure." And I was like, D- "That sounds sarcastic to me." But I went through and read it, and it seemed like it was like, "No, actually, it is. This is great." It's right. I mean, uh, we're we're not seeing a bunch of like uh, data breaches for companies because they went through their Adobe Acrobat Reader yeah. know, browser, you know, exploit. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was my fault because I, I was thinking of what, what are the reasons why people hate Adobe, and there's usually two reasons, right? One, it's expensive, and two, it's insecure. Uh, but but we can see that apparently they've made some great strides. Yeah, yeah right. Good Not on the price. They're, 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 <laughs> they have taken the path to redemption. Good for them. And I'm happy for them. Well, sticking with the uh, with Microsoft Edge and that that sort of theme, Microsoft is going to forcibly remove Internet Explorer from most Windows 10 PCs. Uh, this is from Ars Technica. Now, this this is from earlier this week, but I've been seeing memes about Internet Explorer for years, uh, and it just seems like it refuses to die. It, I think the security <laughs> updates stop. Not I'm nothing against Internet Explorer. Yeah. Just, I've been hearing about that for it's a long time. It's the Black Knight um, of Monty Python, right? Yeah. <laughs> security updates for Internet Explorer it looks like stopped last year, but. 
as of, I think it was Valentine's Day, Microsoft is fully disabling Internet Explorer in most versions of Windows 10. So for the seven people that still use Internet Explorer, what does that mean for them? All right. So uh, two significant takeaways from this, right? So one is that IE11 is dead. We covered that weeks or months ago. Um, But now it's like super dead. (laughs) But it's zombie corpse (laughs) continues to feed on the flesh of the living. (laughs) the, The second thing that we take away from it, though, which is probably the more important thing, which is Microsoft is actively reaching out and doing something about it. You know, it, it's not like in the past where if you want to if you want to sit down right now and install Windows XP on your computer, you can do it, right? Yeah, you you have yeah. some driver issues, but you can do it. You can install Windows XP, and if you want to run IE six, which it comes with, or or install IE seven or eight, you can do it. You're going to run into some certificate expiration issues, but you can do it. Well, with IE eleven, Microsoft is saying you can't do it. If you connect to the internet, the next time you do a Windows update, it's going to reach out and snag it and disable it and remove it from your system, forcing you over to Edge. Now, honestly, you should have gone to Edge already. Uh, But I do think that it's interesting that they're reaching out and denying access to the package. Now, uh, at first, I was like, man, can they do that? If they sell you an OS with certain things on it, can they actually take away? But IE11 was never part of a gold image. So it was never part of an install. It was something that you always had to download from Microsoft. So they can take it away. And that's what they're doing. And it is a good thing in this particular scenario, but it does show the power that a lot of these operating system manufacturers have over our systems, that you may own your computer and own the operating system that's running on it, but they can still reach out and yank something off of it. So, Don, I want to verify some of my presuppositions about this. And uh, obviously, no, 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 we're media. We don't, <laughs> we don't verify presuppositions. We just uh, I know it's very uh, out of character <laughs> for media personalities to do this type of fact checking. But are they doing it because IE11 is a security issue? Uh, so it is because it's not right. It's actively not updated, being supported. Right, right. Uh, but I think the other challenge is that, remember the rendering engines that I was just talking yes. about? Well, with IE11, it's a different rendering engine than what Edge uses. And okay. when Edge first launched, it was using the same engine, but Edge switched to that Chromium engine, so yep. it's, you know, based on Google Chrome now. Uh, so it's just, it's like having a an alternate dimension that you're trying to support. So, well, th- th- my question becomes is, why is Microsoft the arbiter of what I get to have on my computer. Like, okay, so you don't like it because now you have to support, you know, P- uh, developers are out there going, well, you have to support IE11 because it's still around, right? Uh, well, you have to support Firefox too because it's still around. Are you going to now start deleting Firefox? It's like, well, no, we all we will be a Chromium-based world and that's how it will be. Is, is that the next logical step of Microsoft is to say, I don't want to, the world to support multiple browser engines? It. It could be. That, um, that's scary as hell right there. I do not like that answer. There, there is one redeeming thing, I, I guess, here is that... That they, Linux is still a thing? Yeah. They, well, <laughs> Linux is still a thing. Um, but you also have IE11 compatibility mode yeah. in Edge. Right. So if there's something that you need that's tied to IE11, they've kind of given you a so way that's to That's not my problem, it. though. My problem is they're, they're making that decision for you. Yes. And that is where I have issue. And... You know, I, I kind of wonder, do, do you have issue with it because this is the, the first time Microsoft's getting in your face about it? or Because, like, Apple does this every day of the week. 
Like they Apple constantly pulls things. Well, yeah, I, I I hadn't um, honestly. Yeah, this is the first time I'm I'm hearing that uh, my operating system vendor is dictating to me what I can and cannot have on my system. Yeah. So, which is why I run Linux. <laughs> it, it does say for the for the few people, the tens of people around the world that are still yeah. running Internet Explorer, Edge is going to automatically transfer over any bookmarks and browsing data that they have. Uh, but if you try to open Internet Explorer, launch it, it's going to automatically open Edge instead. So you won't even have a choice. Yeah, that's like someone telling try. me I can't have I don't know like a gas stove in my house. Yeah. <laughs> Like, I'm not saying I'm going to use it. never happen. Yeah, because that's just ridiculous. <laughs> I think it's funny that it does end the article we were talking about. Like, it refuses to die. Yeah. It says it could be nearly a decade before the zombified corpse of Internet Explorer finally stops. Did they actually steal my line? That is that is what it says. That the very last funny. line. Yeah. So you're not wrong. You're not so incorrect. There was actually a, a, a couple of people bringing attention to, I don't know if any of you guys have upgraded Windows 10 to Windows 11. I have, yeah. Super easy, right? Yeah, it was a button click, yeah. And you, you get a message that says, hey, your computer's ready to go. If if you meet the requirements, you have health check installed right. and all that, and you can just hit, hit upgrade. Well, they actually changed that dialogue so it looks different now. Because it, it used to have where you could accept or decline or whatever. So right. you, could, you could choose not to do it. I want to stay on Windows 10. Now, the buttons say accept or postpone and people are saying wait a minute you're giving us two yes buttons and so right <laughs> it's yeah. not, like a, not like a yes and no it's yeah. just yes and yes there's two different yeses um and they've, they've kind of hidden the cancel link down at the bottom so it's the whole dark pattern thing you hear about yeah um yeah we're seeing more of that that's fun <laughs> so fun well i that was a very cheery end to that segment so uh that's gonna do it i think for our tech news for today but stick around we will be right back with more security news after this a lot has been changing behind the scenes here and we cannot wait to catch up with you in person at the msp expo in fort lauderdale from february 14th to 17th the products you know and love it pro tv audit pro tv and practice labs are now training the modern workforce together as aci learning Stop and see us at booth number 753 to see our shows on the big screens, to play our popular lock and key game where you'll get a chance to win a pair of Bose headphones and other prizes, and most importantly, to meet our very own Ronnie Wong. Considered a subject matter expert in Cisco and with 11 tech certifications, Ronnie's an experienced IT pro edutainer. He can't wait to meet our learners in person. Welcome back for more TechNATO. We're going to jump into our security news. Uh, during the break, we had a riveting discussion about bad boys and Pulp Fiction and all things. <laughs> so, that was great. Uh, so I'm it's ready. It's on the Pulp Fiction I am ready to jump back into uh, some, some news here. So we have an article here. This one, uh, is, I think this literally just happened yesterday or today. It's very recent. Uh, it says, Patch Now, Apple's iOS, iPadOS, macOS, and Safari under attack with new zero-day flaw. So this is from the Hacker News. They did roll out security updates to address a flaw that it said has been actively exploited in the wild. So I updated my phone. I don't have any other Apple devices, so I think I'm good. But what exactly was at risk? What kind of flaw are we talking about? <laughs> so I, I unintentionally have created a theme for this episode, I think, because this is a it's a flaw in the WebKit web rendering yeah. engine. Yeah. And Apple did something interesting years ago. Actually, I forget how long it's been now where they said we want a common rendering engine across all of our platforms. So Safari on Mac OS and Safari, actually every web browser on the iPhone. Do you guys do you guys know about that? The shady stuff that Apple pulls on the mm -hmm. iPhone. I don't have one. Okay, <laughs> so let, let's let's back up before I dive into this one a little bit. Um, Apple. <laughs> now, I, I, I'm 
I have to kind of level set with everybody. I totally have an iPhone. I use an iPhone. I have Full an disclosure. iPad. So I'm not an Apple hater. I use uh-huh. the devices. <laughs> Uh, and I, I, I would have a hard time switching back to Android at this point, although I've used yeah. Android phones over the years, too. But um, you're about to chuck some serious shade on Apple right now. Yeah. So <laughs> Apple got in front of Congress a couple of years ago, like when when uh, Tim Cook, I mean, uh, when Tim Apple was up there <laughs> <laughs> testifying in front of Congress. And they said, uh, you know, they were getting him on uh, anti-competitive practices. Hmm. And he said there is absolutely nothing that we prevent other web browsers from doing on our iOS platform. So Safari doesn't have an advantage over anybody else because we let them use the same features we use. And that is 100% not true. He straight <laughs> up lied to Congress because what they did is they said, look, anybody can release a web browser on iOS, but they have to use the WebKit rendering engine. Hmm. And so that's why you'll see web browsers where they have like a Windows and a Linux version. They'll have an Android version and no iOS version. Or like with Chrome, they have an iOS version, but no plugins and extensions. Mm. And it's because they're forced to use a different rendering engine, which breaks all the plugins and extensions. And then Apple won't allow them to do plugins and extensions because that changes the way the application works. So they deny it in their approval process. So Apple 100% denies them the ability to do something that Safari can do. You can get extensions and plugins for Safari all day long. That's funny. Not for other browsers, right? So with all that out in the open, uh, obviously some, some shady practices there, Apple did kind of have a good idea of let's get this WebKit engine to be the renderer on the desktop and their mobile devices so web pages look the same across the board. Well, on a positive, web pages look the same across the board. On a negative, when there's a security flaw, it literally hits everything. every one of their products. Like this this hurt everything except the Apple TV, which actually does use WebKit. I wonder if the article just left that out. It's got to be in there. Yeah. Um, I think maybe the Apple Watch is unaffected. You have multiple <laughs> times in this episode, Don, have... Uh, uh, noted about the verification integrity of of media. <laughs> That's right. So <laughs> <laughs> we're scot free. That's right. So um, so yeah. So this, this this makes it a big deal, right? Because you might have a highly secure operating system like iOS. iOS is really secure. macOS is secure, but not as much. But this vulnerability jumps the the boundaries because it's affecting WebKit, and this one is being exploited in the wild. So it's one of those times where we absolutely need to make sure that our machines are getting patched. Yeah, I mean, and it's just like you got software that you're making, you're gonna find vulnerabilities, and that is exactly what has happened. Good news was it does look like it was security researchers that discovered this. Unfortunately, it does seem like they weren't the first, right? Because this has been actively being, as Sophia said, exploited in the wild in some cases. So, and the, to your effect as well, it doesn't matter whether you were running Chromium-based browser or so, you know, whatever, they're using that WebKit, so it's a, it's hitting everything. All you have to do, it, well, I say all you have to do, like it's just as simple as a point-and-click kind of thing. But the way they were doing it is by through attacking you through your browser, because that's where these vulnerabilities were lying. And since we use browsers all day long, this is kind of a big deal. Mm. Yep. Now, I do kind of have a bit of a theory here that this one maybe isn't that bad. Yeah. Uh, It's exploiting temporary files. Permissions are set wrong. Mm. It allows one application to possibly view data from other applications, so jumping the sandbox that that Apple enforces. Uh, 
But one of the reasons why I think this one might not be so bad, and I, I don't have a lot of facts to back this up, which okay. is not going to stop us. Uh, but I, I am going to show. <laughs> Has it before? Why should we start now? <laughs> so this was reported by Shinru Chi of Pangu Lab, and have you guys heard of Pangu Lab? It does sound familiar, but I so I can't remember where I've heard it or seen. Pangu for many years put out a jailbreak kit for the iPhone. Mm. If you wanted to jailbreak your iPhone, or I think iPad That's as well. That's probably where I heard um, it then. That you could get one of their utilities and it would allow you to jailbreak it and then you could put Sadia and all that other stuff on there and, and yeah, go yeah. crazy. Completely undermine the security of the platform. Like once you jailbreak your iPhone, you were just like in the danger zone. So that's that's not a good idea. Um, but that's what they did. Now, that tells me if if this exploit could be used to completely subvert the security framework on the iPhone, I'm pretty sure they would have leveraged it for that. Hmm. But since they disclosed it to Apple, to me, what that's telling me is they felt that getting the the bounty dollars from Apple was worth more than whatever they could have used it for outside of it. Hmm. Um, but apparently they worked with uh, with Apple directly and Google, Google? Project Zero yeah. also got involved. Um, but yeah, just, just seeing that Pangu Lab reported it, that tells me that this wasn't like super high level. This isn't like a 10 out of 10 security risk. Right. It's more of probably like a 5 out of 10 where potentially an application... I, I, I would say that like, I, to me, like when I hear about Apple security being breached or uh, the possibility of it being breached is it's probably not so bad for, you know, Jane and Joe Schmo out there that run a MacBook or have an iPhone. It's people that are um, actively being targeted, you know, so journalists in certain areas of the world oh, yeah. and that kind of stuff. That's where, that's where the danger comes from. Activists. And the people that are going after them have the resources to take advantage of these types of attacks. So that's why it's like super important to that's get true. this stuff out there. You know, if, if it's, if it's a drive by attack, they hit a web page right. and the exploit and web kit allows them to access like email attachments right. or um, uh, Contacts, signal yeah. signal communication yeah. are encrypted in transit, but not necessarily on the device itself, right. that that could really be damaging. Yep. So if you got an iPhone or another iOS device, I would highly recommend getting updates. Yep. And I don't think we said the version numbers of what is fixed, right? So on the, on the desktop side, you need to be on 13.2.1. On the mobile side, it's 16.3.1. And when I say mobile, that's iOS, iPad OS, and, um, I have to imagine the Apple TV. Yeah, involved I mean, it. if it's so using the WebKit, the TVOS. it's got to be. Uh, and then they mentioned just Safari 16.3.1. not sure why they call it out specifically. Uh, yeah, that is Because they, they don't do the Windows distro anymore. But anyhow, there you go. 16.3.1 or 13.2.1. Can I ask a clarifying question? No. <laughs> well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask anyway. You can fire me later. So the one that you were talking about that was reported by by Pengu Lab, it looks like maybe the that was a... a different issue there was one mentioned earlier in the article that said it was an anonymous researcher that reported it but that was the one i was going to ask about it says um it relates to a type confusion bug in the webkit browser engine that could be activated when processing maliciously crafted web content culminating in arbitrary code execution and mm -hmm. I, it looks like it was a different vulnerability so that was the one that i was like so what there were a couple of different vulnerabilities yeah yeah, yeah. um one so was the, a use after free this was a type uh confusion and the, the use after free, that was the one that Pangu reported. Mm -hmm. uh, the other one, uh, shoot, I don't remember its name. But anyhow, I, I think Daniel's mentioned this before, where the really sophisticated attacks that are happening today usually leverage more than one exploit. Right. And okay. What's that called? Exploit chaining. There we go. Yeah. Hmm. 
And so you end up with like a tag team. That, that's what makes it so hard to protect from this stuff. Because you might look at one individually and right. it's not that bad. But then when you stick it together with something else, all of a sudden it becomes a nightmare. Yeah, full compromise. Okay. Okay. I was just wondering because it was, I, I am still learning a lot about this stuff. So I'm looking and I'm like, well, maybe this is, maybe they're the same and I'm just not picking up on that. So, um, but yeah, they covered a couple, couple different issues. But bottom line, should, should be patched if you go and, and update your stuff. So just. I mean, honestly, you got a device. It doesn't matter. Like, these things happen. You should be patching your device. Like uh, as soon as you get the hey, we have an update ready. Install it. Yeah. Yeah. Like find find some free time in your day and go. This is happening today. I know a lot of people that won't uh, update, especially like the Apple stuff, because sometimes there's bugs and stuff with the updates, or yeah. like it changes the way your iPhone works or whatever. Um, especially if you have like an older phone, yeah. I guess. So I know people that'll be like, no, I'm not updating. They just like, want, they just want to make my phone obsolete. I'm cool. Like, okay. I'm gonna send you this web link. Go there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I understand your frustration, but please just just update it. I don't yeah. want you to. I don't want you to be be a victim. So, um, so yeah. So that's that's gonna be it for that article. Uh, this next one, this next article, it just uh, it just don't make no sense. <laughs> Did it work? It didn't go. Oh man. Uh, wah, wah. It, it make no sense. It, it make no sense. No, it make no sense. What you talking about, Willis? I got to get violent with the iPad when I press the button to trigger the noise. I wasn't violent about it's probably, that. It probably hasn't been patched. Yeah. That's, that's probably why. Uh, yeah, it's been, been patched. Somebody is attacking completely. me right yeah. now as we speak. <laughs> I am, I'm feeling very attacked. <laughs> so this article comes from The Verge. Uh, is that Wise? Is that how you pronounce it? Wise, yep. So Wise's security cameras and home monitoring services will go offline tonight for two hours. Now this was, I think on the 8th, February 8th, that this happened. Um, yep. The fir- my first instant, I know it's important to, like, if you're using security cameras from this company, it would be good to know. But my first thought, my, like, law and order brain went, criminals could use this information to time their attack for when these cameras are not active. So was that a concern? I, absolutely. And, you know, I, I don't use wise cameras. And so I... I, I not since February 8th. <laughs> <laughs> so they, they have had some security vulnerabilities over the years. Yeah. And I, I've actually looked at their cameras. If you haven't heard of them, they are a very budget-friendly hmm. brand. And if you go like on Amazon, they are Amazon recommended purchase or whatever, because for usually under $30, you can get a a Wi-Fi enabled security camera in your home and you can pay a bit extra for their cloud service to have recording. And also like for for just a few hundred bucks, you can deck out your whole house with wise stuff. And that that makes it attractive to a lot of consumers Mm. that are out there. Uh, But I see it a surprising amount in data centers and other locations where somebody wants to have a camera in their server room. Mm-hmm. And so you get these cheap wise cameras and stick them in there, right? So makes sense. Maybe maybe for regulatory compliance, you've got to have it. So this checks the box, you got a camera in there and off you go. Well, wise sent out a message to their customers, letting them know that there would be maintenance done on February 8th, which is already passed. Uh, and in that note, they basically said, look, starting at 12 a.m. Pacific time, all wise cloud services will be off and they'll be off until 2 a.m. So for a two hour period, wise is just turned off, which means you don't get notifications. Recordings won't happen. No alerts or alarms will work. Basically, just everything shuts off for two hours. And to me, that is just an egregious thing to happen. Like with the way that software is architected today, when should you ever have to shut off your entire platform? I found that interesting as well. Like they couldn't have done some sort of rolling maintenance window. Yeah. Like that seems like the standard operating procedure nowadays so that you don't have to shut down your entire platform. And if it's, I don't know, say 
a security system. <laughs> you know? Maybe you don't want that to happen. Maybe you don't want that down. And then to send a love note to the attackers out there that would be like, so you're telling me from 12 to 2, all this is not on? Well, that's good to know. Yeah. And so they, they made this announcement to their customers. But to Sophie's point, it's not like it was a secret at that point. It was an email. You could forward it to somebody. And so if somebody walked around the perimeter of your house and saw a wise camera, then they would know like, OK, hey, here's a two hour window where I could potentially get into that home and not have to worry about the cameras. Yeah. That to me as a security company, right. why should be thinking about that? Yeah. I mean, a don't don't do a complete shutdown of your system. B don't announce that to the world. You know, I, I've like what? Give me some scenario because I'm racking my brain here, Don. Give me a scenario why they would have done it this way and that this was the best mode of operation. So typically, this indicates uh, a company that is not focused on software, mm-hmm. right? So they're likely a and and I don't know this for certain, right? But likely a Chinese company that has a factory that churns out cameras and yeah. so they can do that really, really inexpensively. And then they write software that's just the bare minimum to get the job done, right? Usually outsourced or whatever. So they're, they're following the IoT playbook. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so the the software is likely deployed in a single stack Yeah. and they've been scaling up instead of scaling out. Mm. So as they get more customers, they add another CPU, they add some more RAM, they keep scaling up, 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 but it's right. one system. And now they're stuck. And now they have to make some kind of change that's significant, and it, it's got to take the whole service off. Gotcha. Now, that that's usually what this would indicate, or it's just a really, really bad architecture. <laughs> uh, you know, Maybe they were changing domains or something, but even then, there, there's no reason you can't be pointed to two domains temporarily. Yeah, yeah and, and there's there's planning and architecture that can happen here. So I, I have to assume that this is a single system. And it's scary sometimes. You, you hear about these companies... Uh, that are offering cloud services. And, and in your mind, you think, well, they must have a data center and all this massive infrastructure and whatever. And it turns out to be like five servers in somebody's closet. And and that's it. Like it's literally run out of a house. So Very reassuring. It, <laughs> it happens. Uh, well, you, that's why we, we read articles about, you know, people invest in X, Y, or Z technologies and then they go bust. And now you have no support for that device. You spend a good bit of money in infrastructure and you're yeah. kind of like just SOL. Now, where it gets even trickier, when it comes to security systems, I actually have done a lot of work for security system companies. And when I say security, I don't mean like pen testing. I mean actual like physical security, like stuff. Yeah, yeah, window monitors, key card access, whatever. Uh, and for them, if you want to be a true monitoring company, you need to be UL rated or under underwriters laboratories. Okay. You know, when you buy electronics, you look for the UL rating on it to make sure it won't catch on fire. <laughs> and And that's why. Yeah, that's what I do. Well, Every time you can do that. <laughs> uh, so in this case, like with Wise, it could be really tricky. They they could have the cameras UL rated for just being an electronic device, yeah. but not UL rated to be full security monitoring capable gotcha. and so on. Uh, it just tells me like I I would not rely on on a company like this to to provide you know a, like a, a real like service. robust security. Yeah. Right. When you pay thirty bucks a camera, yeah, there's a there's somewhere yeah. that a cost savings occurred. I'll put that on my garden shed or whatever, and yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. The the thing that would I, I I don't use these cameras either, but the thing that would also worry me is that it sounds like this notice went out maybe a day or two before the maintenance was actually happened. <laughs> so that gives me no time. Like, oh, cool, my cameras and everything associated with them is just not going to work for two hours. 
gives me no time for like a backup plan to take extra precautions. I basically it's just good luck. Let's yeah. just hope that, you know, probably nothing's going to happen. You'll w- probably Would you say that because they painted themselves into that corner of scaling up and not scaling out when they should have they also painted themselves in the corner on how they had to tell their customers that they were going to be down? <laughs> I'm I'm sure that's a good bit of it. Like one domino knock the other. Yeah. And yeah. And hey, if you're focused on the hardware yeah. and not the software, Things like this are going to happen. Right. You know, Cisco used to be like that back, back in the 90s. Oh, yeah, hmm. yeah. So Cisco was really focused on their hardware, like their switching hardware, and they outsourced all their software. And that's why, like, when you were in the iOS command line on a Cisco router or switch or whatever, it was super reliable. Everything worked. But the moment you flipped over to a GUI, it was a nightmare. It was like Java hell. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it was because they would just they would outsource it. And, yeah. One team would write version 1.0, and then a whole different team would write version 2.0, and it was just a, a nightmare. Mm. Their software was terrible, but their hardware was ultra-reliable, right? That was what they focused on. Gotcha. So you kind of have to to look at companies and gauge what they're focused on. Um, you know, Amazon makes Ring and all the, the Ring monitoring stuff. Well, they're focused on telemetry they yeah. <laughs> harvest your data like sidewalk and <laughs> they don't they don't want to take their system offline for two hours because two hours of data they lose yeah right mm-hmm. uh, you can't so have that they're not focused on the hardware they're focused on the software it's, it's best to find somebody who's kind of balanced yeah can't have uh, one without the other no. yeah. all right we beat this horse yes. what's next <laughs> <laughs> if i had these cameras I'd, I'd be concerned but i don't so uh up next we're going to talk a little bit about who got pwned Looks like you're about to get pwned. Fatality. Yeah! The iPad worked this time, so it's off of my list for now. (laughs) Uh, So this article comes from Bleeping Computer. Hackers breach Reddit to steal source code and internal data. I I did talk with somebody, I don't remember if it was Daniel or somebody else here, a little bit earlier this week, but uh, it sounds like basically they suffered a cyber attack by way of phishing, which I thought was fun. Uh, Not fun, but funny a little funny um they clicked a link and something happened and people are able to har- harvest credentials or something um so hackers were able to access internal business systems and steal some internal documents and some source code which is always a fun time for companies i'm sure yeah it's it's never gone bad with that no. before right no, no, yeah. that's yeah. never been like a precursor no. to a bigger attack or nothing <laughs> no you know um it, we're in a really weird place in technology right now because uh, for years, companies have been able to get away with kind of downplaying breaches. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean like Uber, where they got like really shady. Things. Yeah. Yeah. But, but you could downplay it and say, well, they, they just accessed one account, or they were only in there for a day, and people would give you the benefit of the doubt. We're beyond the benefit of the doubt period now, right? So when we hear... The honeymoon is over. <laughs> when we hear they just had access to one account, and they only act to access some internal documents and some source code, you know, just of something. We, we don't know, right? Yeah. Well, h- how do we interpret that now? I hear change all my passwords. <laughs> you, know, you have to look at it the last pass way. Yeah. Of, this is what they're telling us today. Next week, it'll be a little more. Next week, it'll be more. And, and it, it turned out to be this full-blown thing, but they're drip feeding it out. And so I was really curious about this. I, I asked an auditor about it. Like, why, why do you think companies are dripping the news out? Because any... Any PR person will tell you if you have bad news, you just need to get it all out as quickly as you can because that's that means the faster you can move past it. Right. But if you drip the data out, it makes it last longer. Yeah. So so I, I was asking an auditor about it, and they said, "Well, 
you know, GDPR compliance and, and several other regulations say you have to disclose in usually a 72-hour period or 48 hours. So you, you have a, a set period of time you have to disclose. And if it's really bad, you can do a big disclosure that's just of a little bit of data and then slowly grow it over time. Uh, and that, that was his, his reasoning for why they do that. So you said uh, these companies are just gaming the system. I feel like they are. Well, LastPass definitely was, yeah. like with their Christmas announcement and yeah. stuff like that. They were definitely gaming the system. Yeah. Um, with Reddit, I don't know. Um, it's a bit of a different story. I think. Well, we don't really we'll know see, won't we? Yeah. Right? Because, right, in, in, the, in the article, they're like, they, they don't really go into a lot of details. They're saying those details are not available yet from Reddit. They're, they're, they're just letting us know that a breach happened. Here's what occurred. Here's the one thing I did learn. And, I, you know, I've kind of known this, but it just solidified it. Let me put it that way. What it solidified in my mind is if if you listener out there and you're like, you know what, this, this cybersecurity thing sounds awesome. I want to be all about it, right? I'm going to be a part of it. I want to be a hacker. I want to do that. All you got to do is learn how to make a phishing email. That's all you got to do. That's that's how it's done, ladies Step and gentlemen. One. You do not have to become some keyboard cow, keyboard cowboy. You can just learn how to do phishing and get a credit harvesting site up. You're golden. You'll be into everything. Yeah. Right? Click a link, download the attachment. <clears throat> it's a good time. That's all it takes because that's how it always goes. Now, I, I did have an interesting takeaway on this one uh, because they mentioned how they detected it, how they learned of the breach, hmm. right? And sometimes you hear about like, hey, we saw anomalous... Uh, Anom anomalous. 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 Yeah, that's anomalous. Did I say anomalous? They see anomalous traffic on the network, yeah. uh, or they see traffic on a weird port, or uh, they see somebody post on an auction site about <laughs> yeah. credentials. Like that's that's kind of how people detect things these days. Uh, or may maybe they used an IPS or or something that that detected it. Uh, but in this case, it was the user self-reporting. The user that's right clicked on a link and realized they made a mistake and self-reported. And there have been a couple of breaches like this the last month or two where people have been self-reporting. And I think that's really an important thing to pay attention to. In the past, employees were not encouraged to self-report because they'd get fired. Like, <laughs> hey, I'm sorry, I gave here's, out my password. Here's your reward. <laughs> you're fired. Yeah. Right. And so if you're an IT security person, if you're a CISO or just responsible for IT security in your organization, this should be one of your jobs, is making sure that people are comfortable with self-reporting. We went through this with key cards in our building where you know, we, we do the badge access to the yeah, building. it's RFID. And people would lose their badge and they wouldn't want to tell us about it. Because you know, you know, it's 50 bucks a badge. So. Yeah. <laughs> we, uh, it, it wasn't $50. We told them it was $50. Because uh. <laughs> we figured that would make them not lose it, but they still would. And if they didn't it tell just us, made them lose it and not tell you, <laughs> there, there'd be a badge laying around somewhere. Yeah. And if somebody knew it was tied to our building, which, Daniel, you remember the original badges like, oh, yeah. had the company logo on yeah. it. So that they knew where it went and now they had access to the building. So we had to tell people like, hey, you're not in trouble if you lose your badge. You have to let us know so we can deactivate as soon as possible. Remember what's his name? Left his wallet on top of the Uber ride or uh, whatever. Yes. And it was like in the middle of the street in front of the college. <laughs> yep. Yeah, we've had a few interesting ones over yeah. the years, but uh, but I think that you know everybody is constantly under attack, and no matter how well trained you are, it is still possible to fall for phishing. So we need to be more active in teaching people to self-report yeah. to say if there's something fishy, please reach out to IT support and and let us know because 
no matter how sophisticated our systems are, uh, this is something you've said over the years, mm -hmm. Daniel, is for a defender, we have to defend against 100% of the attacks. But for an attacker, they only have to get one win, and that's it. So we're going to lose. Yeah. The defenders are going to It's game to lose. over, man. <laughs> <laughs> They've got us demoralized. They do have us demoralized. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we need people to recognize, you know, oh, I made a mistake. I'm not going to get fired. I might get chastised, but yeah. I need to report it so the company can take the appropriate action. By the way, for Sophia, that that was an Aliens reference. <laughs> okay. The movie Aliens. Part two. Yeah, part two. Great. Yeah. Okay. They've given me a list. Yeah. <laughs> Just a lot of work to do. Yeah. Every week I get new movies I need to watch. Can't can't say I'm going to watch Alien or Aliens. I, I don't. You're know fired. That's... Get out. Yeah, actually, no. I think that. Uh, it's in our contract, right? I'm pretty yeah. sure we can terminate it's, people yeah. for that one. Yeah. We probably can. Yeah. Well, yeah. Nice knowing you. Nice knowing you all. Thanks for letting me be part of the your last life. episode. Uh, we see so yeah, they, they won't even they won't even mention. It. I'll just disappear. No. <laughs> yeah. Be in the news. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, yeah, that's definitely interesting to hear about that from from Reddit. It's you know a website that I have used in the past, and mm. I love seeing that when it's a website that I'm like, oh, I'm active on that website, and there's security problems. Great. That's great. Yeah, um, a uh, a couple of people use Reddit, according to Google. Let's a couple of people use Reddit. Let's see what they're ranked at. <laughs> I, I, they're in the top ten, right? Um, or close to it, at least. Uh, not according to this list. So maybe after this, it's, uh, <laughs> it's, uh, they've dropped. Wait, am I just overlooking it? Uh, they, I believe Reddit is in the top ten. This website cannot be accurate because yeah, it it's not there at all. Yeah, we, we really are doing the media's job. Yeah, I know. I don't like this source, therefore it's inaccurate. Yeah, obviously right. it's wrong. <laughs> I will find a source. That's, that's right. Where is <laughs> where is echochamber? Where are my facts? <laughs> yeah. But they uh, they absolutely have millions upon millions of users. People that go there yeah. every single day, so they have a lot of data. Although I don't know if anybody really puts sensitive data on reddit so it's probably the the best case scenario i wouldn't i wouldn't make that bet don no <laughs> no oh. they just yeah they put, yeah. Their, they put their life story on listen man the people do all. like some really not smart things uh in a public forum a lot yeah speaking of not smart things uh, according to wikipedia <laughs> the the reliable source reddit is the 19th most visited site as of january 2023 so okay. um a lot a lot of users Gotcha. Oh, Wikipedia must be true. I know. Okay. I, and I can't see if this is cited or not. It looks like an unsighted number, too. So this is potentially completely made up, but you heard it here first <laughs> on Technado. It did say that it was mostly, I think, employee contact information. But again, like you said with the LastPass thing, it's like, That's who what knows said, what yeah. we'll find out next week. We, yeah. <laughs> Reddit yeah. May, yeah. may be featured again. and Let's hope not. I wonder if there's going to be a subreddit about Reddit's. About, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It'll just be people fighting. Yeah. Like, you don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. Down vote. we're screwed. <laughs> well, uh, before we take off here, just a couple quick things. Technado is sponsored by ACI Learning and IT Pro. So if you are watching from the Technado website, you'll see that big orange button that says sponsored by. You can click on that to go to the IT Pro website. If you want to support the podcast, check out their courses. It's pretty cool. Uh, you can use the promo code Technado30 if you want to get a discount on your IT Pro membership. So check that out. And if you can't get enough, you can check out some ACI Learning's webinars and some live on social events, which are pretty new there. Um, they've got webinar recordings available at itpro.tv slash webinars. Got one coming up in March. I think we've talked about it with Mike Saunders. Uh, I think Daniel might be participating in that potentially. Uh, so, I might be there. Yeah, if he's if he decides to come into yeah. work. That if I'm feeling good, <laughs> I'm feeling good. 
And then those live <laughs> on social events, they had one last week that was about Splunk. This week they uh, they had one with Mr. Chris Ward, and I think he had a guest, Mark Bradley, talking about some people search stuff. So mm, if you're interested in that. That's a very hot topic right now. It is. Yes. It is. So if, if you are interested in that, you can check that out <clears throat> on their YouTube. That'll live there for a while. Uh, and then IT Pro has some new courses coming out this quarter. Uh, I think some Splunk stuff maybe coming out this week or next week with yep. Anthony Sequera. So check those out. And lastly, we've got International Women's Month coming up in March, and ACI Learning is going to be dropping some interviews with some pretty cool women in, I think, Audit Cyber and IT, because ACI, there you go, makes mm-hmm. sense, sticking to their name. So you can check those out, uh, some phenomenal women that they're going to be interviewing and talking about there, and that'll be in March. So just keep an eye on their socials, on their website. Lots of cool stuff coming up at ACI. Uh, but for us, I think, unless you have any parting thoughts... I have no thoughts. No thoughts at all. No thoughts at all. That is great. Completely empty up here. They're, yeah, they, they wore themselves out. So. <laughs> uh, so thank you for joining us for another episode of Technado. We'll see you next time.